hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. Been a few weeks since I recorded a podcast that I actually published. So much has changed. <clears throat> kind of business as usual. More stories right in line with the same kind of themes. Same thing. Still two organizations. There's still gun violence, mass shootings. It was barely a story. Michigan State University. It's kind of like the third or fourth story. Trump and his keeping classified documents at his home was still kind of a bigger story than the fact that, you know, students going to college were murdered. And then the it's the fucking circular debate thing. Well, no one's stealing my gun. The Second Amendment, there will be people that start mar- marching and protesting as soon as there's violence. You're not taking my guns away. You know, this thing happened. We can't really deal with it on a humane level. There's no way to deal with it, so we're not going to do anything. That's kind of the response from some folks. Let's do less than nothing. Let's just abide by it or some weird shit it's it's such a I, I don't understand the the argument against certain kind of weapons that are designed for military use specifically and solely not getting in the hands of civilians I, I don't really understand the argument I don't really understand how that contradicts the second amendment in any way shape or form if you can still access weaponry that's available to the public and it's a wide assortment of weaponry wide assortment, you know, for all kinds of uses. There's plenty of weapons out there that are not specifically designed for military use and specifically designed for military engagement. If you join the military, you have to get authorized to use said weaponry. But if you're a civilian, you can just go to a gun shop and buy it. That seems kind of stupid. We need to fix that. If you're one of those civilians that wants to get gun, okay, you're going to have to jump through a few loopholes to get it. No, that doesn't affect your Second Amendment rights because you'll still be able to access any other kind of gun in the interim while you're waiting to get the really cool one. You know, whatever. As long as you pass various screenings. Yeah, it's a military weapon. So, yeah, you have to kind of demonstrate that you have no desire to cause harm with it because that's actually what it's designed for. Yeah. So if you're just going to go out in the woods and shoot at trees and shit or target practice or whatever, or supposedly defend yourself, well, what is your definition of defending yourself? People are marching in the streets and you don't like what they're saying, so you strap an AK-47 around your neck and start patrolling the streets. Oh, oh, yeah, no, that's not defending yourself. Or you're you're some fat ass with a gun and you see a child walking home one day and they have a hooded sweatshirt on. And you, the fat man with a gun, get suspicious of the child. So you start stalking said child. And then engage in some kind of altercation with the child. They don't respect your authority because you have no authority over them. They're just a child going home. They have no reason to tell you where they're going or you're a stranger. But in that particular case, it would there was a law in Florida at the time that was called Stand Your Ground. So if you're an adult with a gun and you start stalking a child and then just intervene in that child's life for no good reason, and even if that child is unarmed, you can shoot that child and say that you were defending yourself. 
And that was the case of uh, Trayvon Martin. George Zimmerman murdering a child, and he got away with it. Later, he went to jail for something else, but he murdered a child, an unarmed child, a minor. Wasn't even an adult walking home at night. There was no reason for him to engage in that. You should just let the kid alone, let him walk home. But instead, he ended that child's life. But he was able to get away with it because he said he was defending himself, even though the child was unarmed, didn't have any weapons on him, and wasn't engaged in any sort of hostile action towards George Zimmerman. We live in a society that wants to make it easier for those types of folks, like George Zimmerman. You know, it's, you know how, what is wrong with the wiring in some of these people that that's how they feel empowerment. You know, they have the weapon, then they start patrolling the streets, thinking that they 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 know what's right and wrong. It's like they don't. And there's that kid that, yeah. He put an AK-47 around his neck and then started patrolling the streets. Murdered two people. Some people were like, well, one of the people he murdered was a bad guy, supposedly, or something. But, and like, well, one other guy was trying to wrestle the gun from him. He shot him. He murdered two people, but then was uh, exonerated. And then became a conservative news kind of hero or some shit. It's, uh... I don't know. This, this country's weird, man. It, it's weird because all all that stuff of like no restrictions on gun. It's so that the manufacturers of guns can have maximized profit. If it's harder for them to sell that type of gun, well, then it's harder for them to sell it. Yeah, they can only sell it to the military, but they make plenty of money selling their guns to the military. The gun many gun manufacturers in America do very well. They make a lot of money. You know, the pharmaceutical industry of America does very well. Make a shit ton of money. Financial industry. These are various ent entities that, sectors of the economy that uh, the Republican Party has uh, protected to the nth degree over the last many generations. They've really leaned into it pretty heavy over the Trump era. Just to kind of uh, say anything you need to say in order to get certain types to vote for you and then make sure you create laws that are going to benefit the already powerful yeah and make sure the economy is catered to the owners of certain specific sectors of the economy the health insurance sector gun manufacturers big financial interest you know these are the, the people and interests that the Republican Party protects. They'll say stuff, you know, uh, that works on enough, not a majority, but enough working class folks that they're able to get elected. And then once elected, you know, they'll cut taxes for wealthy, cut taxes for corporations, deny any sort of sensible gun legislation type stuff, cut funding to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, public education and infrastructure. Uh, they'll create laws that make certain medical procedures illegal and a criminal act, but only for certain types of people. 
Like some people can get that medical procedure and there'll be no problem whatsoever, but other people are going to face severe consequences. Yep. And so they create laws like that too. Yeah, they create laws that kind of dictate to people how they are allowed to live their lives. You know, what plants they're allowed to grow and stuff. If you grow the wrong type of plant and it's in your possession, or heaven forbid you're selling it or something, yeah, you can face real severe consequences. And they're into that kind of thing. They like that. One of those particular plants, cannabis, is one I use on a daily basis. It helps me with the fact that I have epilepsy. It's a condition where I have surges of energy in the brain, a varying intensity and length, every single day of my life. Surges of energy in the brain is not seizure. It's a surge of energy in the brain. Cannabis helps me kind of control those seizures, surges in the more deliberate way or something. More controlled. Honed. Uh, so cannabis is extremely effective and helpful for me. Government man's opinion on the matter is just his opinion. You know, He doesn't think it's good for me. I respect your opinion. That's all the government man is saying. I think cannabis is bad. Okay, government man. Thank you very much. As long as it just stays there, government man's stating stuff, thinking that certain plants are bad for you. You shouldn't use those because they're bad, says government man. Fine and dandy. No, yes, I'm still going to use it anyway because it is good for me and it helps me government man thinking that it's bad. It's just him thinking that. Now, the problem, of course, with the war on drugs is that it's an actual, becomes an actual crime, you know, and still in certain areas to just be in possession of it. It's other drugs are basically just concentrated versions of plants. So there are many still within government that support those kind of laws that are going to make it a crime in and of itself that you're, you know, doing something that the, another person views as wrong. It might be bad for you. Well, yeah, it's bad for you. So don't do that, man. You know, don't do coke too much because it thins your arteries and you can die from it. Don't do it. There's a lot of risk with it. Yeah. Now, criminalizing it, though, doesn't, you know, you make it illegal, so now it's controlled on the black market. It's controlled by different interests and stuff. You get inflated prices and stuff. You give a lot of power to certain elements. You know, They now have a product they can sell because there's no substitute for it. Adderall is similar to cocaine, but it's not the, it's not the same thing. But Adderall is a drug. You can buy that. Just like certain drugs that are pain relief and stuff, supposedly, they're similar to methadone and heroin and whatnot. There's a lot of opiate-type stuff that's out there. I mean, there's some very addictive pharmaceutical drugs that are out there. But they are legal. But cannabis in many areas is still very much illegal. A plant. Cocaine is just a concentrated version of a plant. And it's still very much illegal. But again, government man saying, advising against, is one thing. But when it comes to substances, you know, 
prohibition doesn't work. It empowers certain elements that you don't really want to empower. You know, organized crime. You know, you're just giving them a product to sell because there's a certain demand for a certain product. You make it illegal. The demand is may, may shift a little, but it's but it's a certain product that exists that it's there is no substitute for. And here's the kicker: it's a plant. The way you make the product is you grow a plant, and then you go through a process to concentrate it. So, photosynthesis, water and sunshine. Yeah. So those are some pretty cheap costs. Now, because it's illegal. The person that's going to take the risk in growing said plant and then trying to sell it can charge an extremely inflated price. Yeah. So the whole purpose of the war on drugs becomes a way to benefit organized crime and to kind of, so, you know, people who invest in crime have something to do almost. You know, there's more, there's an income source for certain entities that like to engage in nefarious practices, you know. And it almost becomes like that's like what the point of it is. Along with incarcerating high numbers of minorities. That's also becomes the purpose of the war on drugs. That's its real true intent is in the results. What happens with it? And it's been going on for long, long stretches of time. It's starting to dissipate at least with cannabis a little. But there's still lots of, you know, cocaine is still illegal because it's bad for you. You know, says government man. And then, of course, you'll see plenty of rock star that it'll be like part of their life for decades or something. Some people are just wired different. There's a reason it was created and invented. It's certainly not for everyone, and there's no way of knowing if it is for you. You'd probably strongly advise against getting into something like that. It can be highly addictive and all that sort of thing. I find it uh, wasn't really for me, but it did have a little phase many years ago with that particular substance. The idea that it, that substance in and of itself becomes a crime. The crime should be more like, you know, you're selling to minors or something. You're distributing to cocaine to children. That's, that's no good. But if people just, I don't know. Some things should just be more like regulated, you know. And kind of, you know, basic kind of parameters, but. Individual liberty, small government, don't tread on me. It's fascinating that the organization that spouts those slogans all the time is the one that's the most oppressive and dictating on what is the correct way to be a human, you know. And if you don't abide, then you're going to be punished and thrown in a sail and treated like an animal. And it seems like regardless of what the infraction is, it's basically just the amount of time you're going to have to spend in a cage and be treated like an animal. That's that's the only thing that kind of varies. And sometimes you might be able to just pay some sort of fine, but for many that's not even an option. So you have to spend some amount of time in a cage uh, being treated like an animal, living like an animal, um, until you serve your time. It's time that you have to pay. You lose, which is the most precious thing, of course. You know, mortal beings, but... Yeah, that's like the only way we know how to do it. So you're a person that 
is a cocaine enthusiast and has been using it. And then one day, you're walking down the street and for some reason a cop, I don't know, you, you, you get into something to where they find cocaine in your possession. So you're, you're arrested because of possession of cocaine. That's a crime. Don't necessarily have to be committing some other crime. You know, the, the possession of a controlled substance, as it were, is in, in and of itself a crime. You know, so now you're going to jail for that. How, how long? Probably a while because it's cocaine. Some substances are viewed differently. You get two grams of cocaine, that's different than two grams of cannabis. It's a more harsh sentence. The weird thing is there'll be like some politicians will vote the three three strikes you're out laws. There was a, I, was, I remember when I was a kid, that was a thing that a lot of uh, con real ultra conservative types were promoting. You know, you commit a certain three number of felonies or something, a certain number, and then it was just like you just would automatically get life in prison. Didn't matter the type of felonies and some certain types of drug possession were considered felonies. So you can get arrested a few times for possession of a certain controlled substance and then sentenced to life in prison because you were arrested and convicted three times for a supposed felony. It's like all the busy work too, like criminalizing drugs, all, all the amount of like judicial just mechanics working on just all, all the people involved in like and jailing and, and uh, courts, hearings and all that over drug possession, drug-related drug crimes. It just seems stupid, you know? But it's all a way of just, it's, what it's really about is revealed in the results. It's about control. People born into certain groups, you know, they're going to pay pretty harsh consequences if they're caught with certain substances. Other people, little to any. And they'll even be able to get, you know, more intense substances, as it were, or something, you know, and still pay little to any consequences. They'll certainly be able to get away with doing things, you know, that they want to do. People are going to live their lives. But there's many to this day that insist on dictating to people how they must live, you know. Meanwhile, they themselves don't even really live that the way that they're sort of saying is the correct way, you know. Like, like even me, like, I'm a, well, I guess the easiest way is to say, like, you know, I'm Christian, but I don't really go to church much anymore. I went to confirmation when I was 11 or 12. Consider myself the easier would be, like, to follow the teachings of Jesus. But I'm no straight-edge saint by any stretch. Uh nor do I have a desire to be straight edge. Nonetheless, I still live my way in a certain way that's adhering to the teachings. Be kind, empathetic, frugal, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yeah, no, I may curse a lot and like to have a good time and stuff, but, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to be and to be good, but it's like some take certain stuff within the big, big, big book and take it very, very literally 
and other stuff that's like they almost ignore entirely, even though it's repeated ad nauseum. You know, I don't really get it. It's a strange time because there's so much like everything that Trump represented was like the opposite, inverse of even someone more recent like Martin Luther King Jr. You know, 20th century icon peace and brotherhood and togetherness, you know. If ever there was a candidate that was the complete inverse of, of those kinds of messaging, and that line from you know, Buddha to Jesus to all the way all through Martin Luther King Jr., if ever there was an inverse in the modern times, there was certainly one Donald John Trump kind of the physical embodiment of greed and envy and pride and sloth and all of them, the seven deadly sins. And they're deadly for a reason. It's not just some kind of weird religious thing. If you embrace that kind of stuff and that kind of lifestyle too much, it'll wear on you, certainly over time. It's made him a pretty decrepit old man in mind, body, and spirit. I wouldn't wish his life on anybody. He can keep all his riches, you know? Like, goodness, you know? He could have been great. He could have. But he chose not to be, you know. He could have been quite philanthropic in, in reality, you know, and actually done really robust, wonderful things with the money inherited. It, of course, would have pissed his father off because that's not how his father trained him to be. But he could have been his own person, but he chose to be the heir to the throne, as it were. And his father was a, just as ruthless and cruel, but lived in a different time that was pre-social media. You know, so a sort of archetype that was more acceptable or something, I guess, or something. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he was still sued and by the government for violating civil rights laws back in the early 70s. Donald Trump and his father. And that was Donald Trump's four-way into fame. But he was always known as a failure, bankrupting companies, cheating on his wives, being racist, sexist, and stupid. And just kind of a whore for publicity. He would do anything to be famous. He didn't really give a fuck. And that's what he was famous for. That's what he was famous for. That's why we knew his name. That's why he was in the news. That's why the news would talk about him. His company was bankrupt again. He was caught cheating on his wife again. And his wife this time was so hot. You know, every time the wife was so gorgeous, this beautiful woman that in some cases seemed to really adore him for whatever fucking reason. Like Marla Maples. My goodness, you know, what a gorgeous woman, you know, but he was this, this, you know, whatever. I suppose there's certain aspects of the Trump personality I can relate to, like uh, you're wealthy and famous and gorgeous, gorgeous women like want to be with you. Did they only want to be with him because he was famous and wealthy? Probably most of them. But you hear about the Marilyn Maples story and it seems like she really did actually like him. But pretty cool lady. But that's probably one aspect of the Trump story I probably can relate to. That would be difficult. Stay exclusive to one. If you're, you know, if you have a lot coming your way. But, you know, I don't know. Figure it out somehow. <laughs> Just, uh... But all the other stuff. And his story is always one I... Because I was so young when I heard of him. I was probably like six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. 
Lifestyles of Rich and Famous with Robin Leach, you know. And he was just this guy that was profoundly wealthy, didn't really seem to have a lot to offer, he wasn't real bright or smart or funny or anything, really. He just, he had a lot of money because he was born wealthy, and so he could buy real fancy stuff and live in a real fancy house, and he wanted to be on TV, so the cameras, you know, pointed at him because he said, look at me, and so they did. And it's just kind of the thing you got to do, especially in that era of time. It was an era of glitz and glamour. It was kind of the complete inverse of like the hippie 60s. It was people just really embracing excess and stuff. And he was kind of the full embodiment of it. Just, you know, just, just stupid excess, gold-plated gold toilet and the like. Just really, just gaudy. It's is more an apt term for him it was just kind of over the top and it's like get it we, you got a lot of money man cool that that's all you can do with it you just buy gold like literally just gonna live in a gold fucking house like wow okie dokie because all the while you'd hear of other people that were maybe not even as wealthy but were like doing these big grand philanthropic things like paul newman like i was w always way more of a paul newman fan as a kid throughout my life and always kind of the guy's legacy and stuff you know and always wanted to be more like like somebody like that you know as far as like a celebrity type that does really good stuff you know charitable work massive amounts and probably did not you know make as much as trump i'm sure certainly didn't come into the world anywhere near as much as trump but certainly you know raised way more money in philanthropic endeavors Trump was just, yeah, he's the, what, he really, what his story really was is to kind of the remind us, kind of s subtly and not, sometimes not so subtly, the different set of rules for the wealthy and powerful and everyone else. I mean, yes, he's a failure. Yes, every time he creates a company, it goes bankrupt within months. But yes, he's still flying around in a private jet. Yes, he's still living lavishly. Yes, he still has massive estates and stuff with his name on it. It's like it doesn't even matter how much of a fuck-up he is. He's always going to be wealthy. You know? Like, the entirety of the time he was in the limelight, it's like, that's that's what I was hearing. You know, that, that, that was the real story. You know, he, he's a profound fuck-up who always fucks up. But he was born wealthy. So it doesn't really matter, you know. But man, you're in the, born into the lower rungs. You make the slightest mistake, and boom, you you start tumbling quick. And it's 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 a lot of work just to get back to treading water. I've been experiencing that for years now. Just trying to get into some kind of decent groove. It's not with much room for gypsy types in this country, and that tends to be more what I am. I'm a Navy kid, you know. So, born in Jacksonville, lived some time in Japan as a kid, and then kind of parents, you know, child of divorce type thing, so bouncing between parents, you know, it's just, it's what I'm accustomed to, you know, kind of moving around, different, living different places, worked at a summer camp in the summers during college on the other side of the country. It's what suits me, but a lot of this society and the way it's designed and the leaders who make create laws make it so that it stays more rigid and very narrow laned you know and so it 
those that are outside that just almost just get discarded. In some cases worse, you know, they actually get punished or, you know, violently intimidated. Sometimes murdered in broad daylight. George Floyd, among many, many people of this country who have been murdered by police officers. In some cases, broad daylight, caught on video and everything. And there'll be people that'll protest any sort of change happening. It's like, obviously, we need to do something. Gotta find different types to become police. And then we also need a different way of policing. It's gonna, different, you know, and also, well, at the same time, yeah, better investments in the people. People get overstressed out, anxious, and, and are treated like animals. Yeah, well, you know, if you're gonna if you feel cornered in, boxed in, you know, and agitated all the time. You're gonna do different things. You're gonna lash out a little bit. You're gonna try to find any way you can to find your own independence. You're constantly impressed. You're gonna find a way to break through the break the walls down. It's just human nature. I got I don't know though. I think it's like it's like we're we've been on the cusp of something for a while. We took a, a step back because it's like we we keep holding on to certain old ideals that are real old that need to almost just kind of be forgotten, but not not forgotten and like forgetting that they ever happened, but like knowing that there are old archaic ordeals, you know, some of the stuff from the beginning of the country that still lingers, you know, electoral college is still a thing, you know, that's weird, we, we got to get rid of that, it doesn't make any sense, you know, the, the, the trying to put 21st century logic into the electoral college is a exercise in futility, you know, it, it was created during an era when slavery was legal, United States of America, like, the, the context in which that specific voting system was created was to appease slave states, and we still have it as a thing, 21st century, 2023, when I was a kid, this was the era of, like, flying cars and shit, supposedly, it's what it was going to be, and we still have a system in place where <laughs> the people vote, and then 30 days later, a small group of voters in each state comes together, and then they decide who the president is doesn't really matter what the popular results were you know someone could have won by 20 million you know but if it's basically just you know dominating certain states and then just you know barely losing a bunch of you know certain types of states yeah you could still lose yeah like there's no margin of victory too stupendous to, like, technically overcome, you know, the electoral, electoral college results. It was 5 million in 2016. We still went along with the electoral college. You know, Trump lost by 5 million. 5 million. Like, that's... How many cities in America have more than 5 million people? It's not that many. I mean, so, so you'd really have to do... It's quite a few towns and cities across America. Some cases that would be like several different counties in a state. In some cases, it would be several different states collectively whose vote didn't count. 
It didn't count. That's that's the reality, you know. But coastal states, rural areas, just like what the fuck are you talking about? You know, I don't really understand the thing with people try to like, yeah, wherever you live, vote. We'll tally up the votes, and the one with the most votes becomes the president. But what if I live in Wyoming or California or the or the coastal? What if I live in a city? Yeah, wherever you live, wherever it is, you get a vote every four years in the presidential election. Yes, and you can vote for whoever you want. Whoever gets the most votes, they're the winner. Again, doesn't matter where you vote from. You vote from whatever city you reside in. You know, you only get to vote once. So, got to make sure you're registered to vote and, and make sure you're to vote. Yeah, but no. The way we should do it is, we'll have that vote. But then 30 days later, we're gonna we're gonna see what the results were in each state, and then based off of what the results were in each state, a certain particular group of voters in each state is gonna get to vote, and they'll usually vote in unison for one specific candidate. Each respective state will vote for each, you know one of two candidates, and that's supposed to be better. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. We need to stop doing it. It it it's an illogical, dumb way to decide who the president of a country of 300 million people is. You know these these weird borders that were arbitrarily made years ago, and then these this uneven ratio of electoral college voters to the actual number of voters in a state. It's it's varies from state to state. It's not the same. You know, one electoral college vote isn't like X number of voters and it's like the same in every state reason being of course is because like some states would have like well over a hundred if it was to be the same in every state the ratio of electoral college voters to you know citizens of the state or whatever whatever if it's getting convoluted and stupid as you're trying to understand what i'm saying about the electoral college good electoral college is stupid that's that's really the gist of it it's a convoluted bureaucratic dumb shit thing that should have been abolished years ago. And again, it was created to appease slave states. So as your Republican conservative leaders are talking about liberalism and yada, 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 and something about coastal states and rulers and the rest of the states, how they get their vote. You know, it's just to muddy the water. You know, it, Electoral College was created to appease slave states. And who did it elect in 2016? The racist dumb shit guy born of wealth and privilege Donald John Trump who's now settling in Florida New York didn't, couldn't have him anymore he's kind of finally worn out his welcome in New York like and that took a while but you know various impending cases and charges but it's amazing uh, what that guy's been able to get away with I mean he's still free Still claiming to be running for president in 2024. Saw Trump 2024 uh, sticker today. It's the first one I've seen on a car. Proudly adorned. Right center in the bumper. Like, well, they're still around. They're still out there. <clears throat> Amazing. Or something. I'm not sure if that's quite the word, but... 
It's 2023, early 2023, and you're proudly going to put a sticker on your car that's going to be there probably for years, you know. I, I still see, like, you know, Obama-Biden stickers every once in a while. But, you know, centers, like, well over a year before the actual election, yeah, you're already, boop, yep, you're locked into Trump, the famous wealthy dumb shit guy who became a game show host and then was abused his power tried to overthrow the government has several impending criminal investigations on him you're proudly declaring that you're voting for him has something to do with liberalism and socialism democrats something yada yada i think and i don't know not really sure what what's really going on there uh just kind of a, I think it's more of this kind of a fuck it you, you know this blow the thing up all up kind of thing but it, it's not that's not really what it is with Trump they thought they were voting for chaos here no you're voting for fascism so that that's oppression and violence yeah that's what you're voting for that kind of a clampdown on all types of people and eventually the clampdown just kind of spreads because it's a system designed to benefit the already powerful and wealthy, and many of those types, once they already get more power, they just they, they want even more. Trump is certainly a type like that. Uh, once he gets some power, he wants more power. He can never get enough. More wealth. So that just becomes a thing. So the way that they can do that is by just widening the clampdown. You know, so that's really what he was representing. It's kind of the opposite of democracy is what he was promoting, and pretty blatantly. He leaned into it. I mean, some journalists were trying to, but they they had to be, you know, unbiased or whatever, non-partial. You know, it's it's not really, you know, stating the full biography every time you introduce the guy. That's not really being biased. Here's here's Donald Trump, the Republican nominee. He's the former. Six-time bankrupter of companies and famous uh, game show host guy. That's an honest thing. He, he has no elected experience. It's not a former senator from New York, you know, or secretary of state. Nope. No, there's no title for him in that way. He's just Donald Trump, famous guy. Born into wealth and privilege. He wanted to be famous, so he got to be. And he was famous for being a dipshit. But a lot of people just didn't know that. They thought he actually wrote Art of the Deal. Yeah, they think that Art of the Deal is like a good way to be a decent, good human. And if you live that way as a poor person and you embrace Trump's ethos, you'll become rich and famous like him. And not in jail or dead. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do, though? You know, um... It's a weird world, but uh, hoping that uh, the di Trumpism thing starts dissipating more quickly, one can hope. Just that you know, the, just the mountain of evidence it just keeps getting bigger. It's like you know, I suppose some people are waiting until it actually blocks out the sun or something. I I, I don't you know I, I don't know what. The, I don't, I've never really quite understood the mental gymnastics going on, folks, that are the real. Hardliners on certain stuff, very vocally and publicly, 
about how they're, you know, going to church every Sunday and they're very Christian and stuff. And then you'll see them wearing the red hat or something even at times. Usually not that bold, but you'll see them kind of finding some way to, you know, justify in some way. And that's usually what it is. It's not a, like, I've, I've crossed paths with many where they couldn't quite, like, well, fully support, but they had to find some way to say it's okay to, like, be supportive of that thing. Trumpism. Violence towards people that disagree with you. Corruption. Greed. Lying, cheating, stealing, doing anything you can to gain more power. That's all good because R? You know, the R. He has an R. So that's the one you gotta vote for. Don't, you know. <laughs> but it, it's still a thing. You know? There's a lot of people buying into that. Why do I vote? Why, why do I speak out against the R's a lot? Well, I kind of told you in the beginning, or a little bit ago, we followed the teachings of Jesus, believe and forgive our trespasses, we forgive those who trespassed against us. So, obviously, very anti-wall, like very against the wall, because I'm more of a follower of the teachings of Jesus. So, very against building a wall in the middle of the desert. That's really stupid and dumb idea. The main reason I have that kind of thinking is because I went through confirmation as a kid. Yeah. So the whole folks going to church every Sunday, and that's why they support the wall, because Latinos, you know. It's like, wait a minute. Well, they're illegal immigrants. What the fuck's an illegal immigrant? I, I don't understand what that term means. Like, it, it's people wanting to immigrate here that don't have paperwork yet. Okie dokie. So... Let's get the fucking paperwork. What what the fuck are we talking about here? But they speak Spanish. It's like, uh-huh. And? Did you not know that part of the country was part of the Spanish Empire for a while? Or what's the confusion here? I, I, don't, I don't quite get... <sighs> I, I don't understand the whole thing. It's just confusing to me. Yeah, certain parts of the country are part of the Spanish Empire. They even have Spanish names. California, Los Angeles, San Diego, San Antonio. Yeah. Did you not know that? Gosh. Huh. Open up a history book, maybe, or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, there's people that speak Spanish in this country. And there's bilingual peoples, too. And many language peoples, too. Yeah. So, yeah. So, people that are immigrating here and they don't have paperwork yet are people who are immigrating here and don't have paperwork yet. So they can get paperwork. There's a way for it to get it. There's a process. Um, during the Trump era, it was kind of like the people that declared themselves, hey, we want to immigrate here, and we want to know what your process is. And we said, we're going to put you in jail. <laughs> like, Why? They're just trying to immigrate here. But this is America, and America's America. Like, like it needs to have some sort of racial bound like there's white people that are worried about it being less white or something like why does it matter who gives a fuck you know like what the fuck does it even like white identity i don't even know what the fuck that is sort of i suppose but i don't know it's, it's a 
weird concern that people have in life, you know, like, oh, in many generations, there might be different skin tones of people's. Huh. Okay. And, uh, what the fuck? Why are we, why are you so concerned about it? I don't, what is, what is, what is going on? You know, like, I don't understand the mindset of some, but it's like, but that's the thing. When you have that kind of, you can be taken advantage of. Like, we're going to build a wall to solve all your problems because all your problems are because of Latinos who speak Spanish. That's why you lost your job because a Latino speaks Spanish and walked across the desert. Somehow, some way that led to you losing your job. I have no idea how, but whatever. You know, let's just roll with it, you know. Um, so we're going to build a wall to solve that problem. And so you promise a wall, and then you even get them to chant it. Build the wall, build the wall, build the wall. And then uh, you cut taxes for the wealthy corporations as soon as you're in power. Yeah, fuck off with the wall. Why the fuck would you build a wall? It's a fucking wall in the middle of the desert. It would be a big, huge, colossal waste of money. It would cost a massive amount of money. And you already promised that another country would pay for it, and they openly declared, fuck no, we're not paying for that fucking wall. And again, why, why would they? It's a stupid, colossal waste of money and just a horrible idea. You know, there's zero benefit from it. You know, it appeases people that don't like people that are different than them. Yeah, there's some people that are very, get very agitated at the idea of more Latinos living in the United States of America. And it bothers them for some reason. So the wall appeased them. The off, the promising of a wall it appeased them. So those people were conned. Yeah. And that was seven years ago. <sighs> it still goes on, you know. Oh boy, you know. February 2023, and Trump's still a thing. Still a thing. It's closing fast, but it's like, because there was such a movement behind him, and like because there was a whole organization that supported him for so long, it's like the cases cases against them, man, they got to dot those I's and cross those T's thoroughly. You know, like there's no going to be no wiggle room if you're going to charge a former president the United States of America with a crime. Now, obviously, he should have never become the president of the United States of America. He was a famous con man. And there should have been some sort of preventative thing from that specific type. Very famous, yes. And known to have a lot of money. But, you know, the way that he makes his money and the known connections and stuff, it's it should have eliminated him from contention. However... We put a lot of faith in the political organizations of this country, especially the two most powerful ones, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. We put a lot of faith that the candidate they are picking is legitimate and worthy of their nomination. And so a lot of people went along with and abided by the Republican Party's choice. If they don't nominate him, he does not finish in the top ten, because Donald Trump would have still run anyway. He just would have switched allegiance, you know, claimed some different organization, maybe just run as a Trump his own thing or something. Or he just would have dropped out like he normally does because it wasn't his first time running for president. It was something he did every four years as a publicity stunt, but never got very far because he's Donald John Trump. But, I don't know. 
Each day is a new day. You never know. We can get our act together and start embracing real obvious stuff like healthcare should be a right, education should be a right. Yeah, there should be basic investments in the infrastructure. If it means the wealthiest don't earn quite as much as they do now, okie dokie. That seems fine and dandy. No, it doesn't mean socialism if the wealthiest don't make quite as much money. That's not socialism. Good gosh, not even close. Yeah, if you still have a society and an economy where people can make all sorts of money, even exorbitant amounts of money, so much money to where you have these sort of outlier taxes. It's an extreme outlier tax, the marginal tax. You make so much money that you even have to pay a little bit higher percentage than everyone else. On the portion above, a really big, massive amount. Mass, most people, 98% plus, are not going to ever pay said tax. But yeah, revenues generated from that goes back into the foundational type stuff. Does it sort of jostle the hierarchy a little bit, possibly? And that's what's getting the owners of the economy currently so agitated and nervous? Yeah, probably, yeah. Some people might lose their post a little bit. The people who have inherited wealth, possibly. You know, the values of certain companies might start changing a bit as more diversification in the economy opens up. You invest in the foundational type stuff, yeah, people start building more off the foundational, their own, you know, their own structure, their own life. Yeah, so more small business, more unique businesses that are catering to the actual wants and needs of real live actual people living in real live unique communities and such. Instead of just becoming these, you know, pit stop towns and corporate locations and stuff, you know, and the, yeah, just the current state of the economy. It, you know, small businesses are the most unique and the best, you know, and certainly with foundational type investments, you can start getting more of those. So, yeah, it might mean that certain sectors and owners of certain sectors, yeah, they're, they might have some change in their portfolio if they just don't start uh, diversifying their investments and start investing in different things. Owners of the pharmaceutical industry, they're nervous about healthcare as a right for obvious reasons. Healthcare becomes a right. Would you still become? Would you still maintain your relationship as a customer with the for-profit health insurance company? Maybe, maybe not. A lot of people would probably decide to cancel their health insurance if going to a doctor when you're sick was a right. Yeah, like if we invested money in hospitals and medical staff, that was as part of the public fund to make sure that there was highly trained medical staff and medical professionals to take care of humans living in this country when we get sick. Do we have the money to do that? Well, of course we do. A small group of individual humans accrued billions of value of their estate over just the last couple of years. Yeah, that's just individual people. Yeah, value of companies going up, their net worth going up by billions. Yeah, we have the money. It's being generated in this country. We certainly have plenty of money going around. There's plenty of productivity to afford the cost of hospitals and medical staff to take care of people when they get sick and need medical treatment. Yes, we can easily afford that. 
Yes, it may mean some raising of taxes of people on the outlier end, the way, way out there end. The vast majority of humans in this country will not have to pay those kind of taxes type. Yeah, that group though, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be paying a bit more percentage wise. They'll still be wealthy. So they'll be fine. And if and for many of them, if they do nothing, or continue to do nothing, just are the owners of vast estates, and that's what they do. They're owners of stuff. Meaning they don't really have to do anything. Yeah, if, if they just maintain, they'll probably still be fine. But some may find that they're going to have to start diversifying a little bit and mixing up the investments that they have to maintain the life that they've become accustomed. But these are changes that they'll consult with their wealth advisor and they'll make accordingly. If you have millions and billions of dollars, you'll be fine. Even if you have to pay a marginal tax, wealth tax, estate tax, you'll be fine. Yeah, that's not something that working class folks certainly need to be worrying ourselves with. But somehow a lot of the people that watch Fox News have been trained to believe that marginal wealth and estate taxes are going to directly, negatively affect you, the regular person. It's something that's going to directly affect you in a negative way. No, no. Hospitals are right. Education are right. And then proper investment in foundational stuff foundational stuff it's not it's not treading on me stuff it's not government run healthcare government funded so we're going to make sure we have hospitals so when we get sick we can go there and get healed it's pretty basic no duck kind of stuff if you want health insurance they're going to have to hopefully they're offering you something some kind of add-on while you're in at the place while you're at the hospital you know or maybe disability income, those are still going to be around. Life insurance is still going to be around. Long-term care, that kind of stuff. Different things you can add on to your insurance, but it certainly won't be required. Same with education. Various publicly funded schools, including universities around the country, would be continue to be publicly funded. If you want to go there, you'd go and apply. Accept it, and start going. Now, how you pay for your cost of living... That's where you might need to get some financial assistance or get a job. But no, you're not going to have to pay for your books in the school because it's a publicly funded school. So no, it doesn't matter that you're poor. If you want to go to a publicly funded university, then apply. And if you're accepted, then start going. And so it's almost like the objections to these various things reveal themselves truly in the objection you know like the benefits are they reveal themselves pretty obviously a higher percentage of the lower rungs of the ladder working class have a greater chance of a more robust life of greater education higher education greater health thus the arguments against such programs and investments in the people's is truly about that concern about the changing of the hierarchy you know you don't want it to be a truly a merit-based system it is a desire for it to be a, a maintaining of a certain status quo people knowing their place or something maintaining some sort of old ideal but it's uh it's jostling loose i'd prefer that it jostle loose a little quicker i'm always been a pretty impatient person
That's always some, something I'm forever working on. Patience. So it's sometimes just taking the time to calm down, chill. It's the beginning of uh, COVID that I started doing this podcast just as a way to vent, you know. I know I'm not alone, you know. Like, these last many years is weird, you know, to meet real, live, living, breathing human beings face-to-face who proudly admit, you know, with no shame, no wince, no no disclaimer that they support Donald John Trump to be the president. It's jarring on the mind, you know. And there are people that I, you know, went to church with when I was younger and stuff. It's like, oh, gosh, whoa. Uh, so what's going on there? Um, did you not Google his name or something? Or like, what? Especially people that are my age or older, it's even more confusing. You're embracing or saying to embrace a certain particular life path. And he's not that. The one that you're professing to be. He isn't that. That's known. What's your disclaimer? It has something to do with who the other person is. You don't like that other person that much. The other organization that's competing against him, you're not a fan of. I don't really get how that justifies. What about him, though? Why are you supporting him? You know, what's he about? And what has he been about for decades now? Famously so. Greed, sloth, pride, making money any way he can kind of thing. He's that kind of guy. He pretends to be philanthropic, but then used the philanthropic funds to buy paintings of himself that he adorned in his house. He's that kind of guy. He used funds from his charity. You know, it was. Structured as as a philanthropic organization, the, the organization used funds from that philanthropy, quote unquote, to buy a painting of himself. Yeah, that that was just charity work, boosting his ego, or something. Yikes! That's that's just the you know. A little, just a quick little sample off the top of my head type thing, you know. Good, good, gracious. Been using the limelight for decades and never for anything good. But he didn't care, you know, that he was famous for being a con man. There was enough people that, like, didn't know that. It got lost in the show of it. And he just became so famous that he was just famous. That was good enough for some... Insane. What are you going to do? What I'm going to do is at least my part. I don't really talk much in the real world. I'm pretty reserved generally. But, uh, personally worked alongside a couple different capacities instead of a long fuse. Let's say that's apt. You know? stay pretty guarded and reserved, but it's sometimes it's just like, holy fuck, you know, like, 
remember a particular time when I was working alongside a fellow who was just a little bit younger than me, who proudly admitted on the work site one day, as I'm doing landscaping and busting my ass, no med benefits, nothing, you know, fucking grinding, like whatever people's perception of people who vote for the left is, it's like, yeah, I, I did fencing and landscaping at the time, you know, Right around, fucking, just get to do, doing, moving rocks and burying big trees and, yeah, work, work. Remember the fucking day that dude fucking proudly admitted that he voted for Trump. No shame. And then the, the, the kind of bewilderment at, like, the tension that instantly ensues. Like, why are you confused by it? You're going to admit that you voted for the fascist guy, and you're going to pretend that he wasn't. You have some way of justifying it in your mind, and you're going to openly admit it out loud on a work site. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? Come on. You know, I'm not going to get into my politics at work, but holy shit, if you're going to proudly admit that you voted for the fascist guy. Yikes. Yikes. Needless to say, uh, had a particular crew where we, we had, there was like a trio. It was working a little well, but once that dude joined in and started spouting out about his pro-Trump shit, it's like, oh fuck, that's this ain't gonna be a good dynamic. Yikes! I'm just trying to work, bud. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't want to hear you fucking. We should have a fascist country bullshit. You know, I, I bless your heart. You didn't know he was a fascist. You didn't know he was a con man. Oh, gosh. That's unfortunate. I think I figured that out when I was about nine. And I was just a normal kid. I wasn't a child genius by any stretch in the imagination. Gosh, no. But, wow. When, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I went to a Trump rally... I got paid to be there, of course. Why, why the fuck would I go there for free? I mean, I, I, it was a job, you know, uh, selling snacks and sodas to the Trump folk. But that that was that a few years prior to the working alongside someone. Those are Trump. It kind of prepared me a little, but it was still jarring. Uh, but it it prepared me for the next several years. I'm kind of glad I had the experience because it kind of immersed myself in the surrealness of it. There he is. Holy shit, there's real-life people here that are act genuinely, not sarcastically, not just doing it because it gets a rise out of the liberals. No, they genuinely want to build a wall in the middle of the desert. They're eagerly wanting it. No, there's not a ton of them here. It doesn't really seem like this big, boisterous movement. But the people that are here, they're real into it. It's about 800 of them. Capacity is 2,000. It's less than half full. I put that at about 800 at max there that were there. Enthusiastic support, costumes adorned, plenty of red hats. Make America great again. Veterans for Trump, Latinos for Trump. You know, three or four of those. <sighs> Trump. It's like, oh my God, there he is. Good fucking guy. And, yep, just as boring and stupid and racist in real life is, yeah, no surprise, no shocker. Got to witness it with my own eyes, you know, eyes and ears and 
just kind of stood in the back, just kind of shaking my head and arms crossed me and the other workers. There was one dude that was on the banquet serving crew type thing that was pro-Trump, but pretty much everyone else, being that we were regular working class young people and stuff, weren't really too Trump, you know, like, it was kind of embarrassing, it was just kind of a weird, weird vibe to actually be at the thing and realize that this might happen, this fucking guy, who's been around forever and always famous for being a dipshit, he might actually become the fucking president, and then those first few days, man, he leaned into the absurdity of it, that, like, weird speech he gave at CIA headquarters, something that just isn't done. It was weird. And, man, it just, it just we got accustomed to it, because it was Trump. We were accustomed to Trump. We knew who he was. So it's like we, many of us kind of knew it, this was going to get fucking nuts. You know, I, I, how to even truly predict what kind of insanity you're going to get into when you elect that fucking dumb shit to be the president. Knowing criminal ties and the like and just makes his money purely in a kind of fraudulent way. His actual revenue, you know, like he's wealthy and lives a wealthy life because he was born wealthy. How he makes his money is you know, pretty nefariously, and that's known, books, plural, books, plural, have been written about it for decades now, really, you know, it's, it's an old, old story, but fame is fame, and if you can become a TV star, you become President of the United States, nuts, and the organization that picks you can maintain relevance years later while fully embracing your ethos. Republican Party is still very much powerful. It's still very popular among regular people, working class folk, working class. The organization that bent over backwards to protect the interest of a born into the wealthy affluent class, con man guy. They picked him to be the president. And then bent over backwards to protect his interests when he abused his power blatantly. They even acknowledged, yeah, he did abuse his power, but no, we're not going to fire him. Nope. We're going to give him a promotion. Has ever happened to you, working class person? Fellow working class person, the owner of your company, taps you on the shoulder and says, You were caught stealing the other day from the cash register. I'd like to make you the branch manager right well that's what happened to Donald John Trump he abused his power and was given a promotion yeah millions of working-class folk over 70 million in fact in 2020 said yes please give the man a promotion he abuses his power for his own personal gain with complete disregard to the health and well-being of the United States of America. Four more years of that, please. 70 million. Holy fuck. <laughs> um, so it's one of those things where if it doesn't dissipate quickly, we're kind of fucked. Yeah. 
he, he implanted three Supreme Court justices that served for life. Brett Kavanaugh is one of those names. The other two aren't really that great either, but Brett Kavanaugh especially. That name should not be on the Supreme Court. Yikes. That, that's His name's a real eyesore that, that it's he's on the Supreme Court. That, that should not have happened so quickly. There's plenty of other nominees worthy of the post uh, that should have been considered before him. And especially given on his temperament at his confirmation hearing, uh, jarring uh, that he was just a allowed to be rushed in. Someone that serves for life. Clear and obvious red flags that needed to be looked into further. Senate wants to hold the confirmation process to just look into the matter further before, it, you know, in, in other words, not look into another candidate for a few months while they, you know, just further investigate him. Fine. There's no obligation to fill the post quickly, necessarily. You know, it, it, it can make, remain open for a while. And if that's the main one they have their target on, okay. But there's red flags there that need to be looked into better. Um, and the Republican Party instead felt it was their interest to just protect him no matter what. He was a Republican operative in his past. And so they needed to confirm him. He was picked by Donald Trump. He was a conservative judge who's going to rule inside of Republican politics. No, he's not going to be impartial. He is partial. Partial to the side of the Republican political wing. He's going to favor very, in their favor. He's going to allow laws for that they create to be legal, even if they aren't. He'll be allowed to declare them legal. Government man says he has the right to put woman in jail because she went to the doctor. Brett Kavanaugh is going to say in his confirmation that no government man can't do that. But then, once he has the power to truly be the final say in such said laws and stuff, as a member of the Supreme Court, then that's when he'll change his mind. Say, no, government man does have the right to put certain women in jail and threaten them with criminal consequences because women want, went to the doctor. She had a procedure done. Government man now has the right to put that woman in jail to punish her. Brett Kavanaugh supports that. I wonder why. Gee, based off of what his past was like, why would he support a law like that? Him. A law that says that he has the right to put woman in jail because she had a medical procedure done or needs to get it done. She's seeking it out. He has the right to threaten her with criminal consequences. Brett Kavanaugh supports that kind of thing. Hmm. Hmm. Based off of off his confirmation hearing. I wonder why that is. Gee, I wonder. Hmm. So, it's why the uh, Trumpism thing needs to dissipate quicker. Because, uh, you know, yeah, the people he confirmed, they serve for life. All the judges that he's got confirmed, they serve very long posts. One of the judges he got confirmed 
didn't indeed get to rule in a case that he was, you know, the defendant in. Seems kind of insane. A very weird conflict of interest, but nonetheless one that very much was a conflict of interest. There's other judges in that circuit that weren't, you know, appointed by him. That should have been ruling on the case, but instead, one particular judge ruled in his classified docs case. Said the special master needs to review and see where the, which ones are or not present. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he doesn't have any executive privilege. He's not the president. He can't have classified documents at his home. What do you? What do you? is the weird and then the trying to like morally equivalent the Trump thing with Biden and then Pence even it's like no it's, it's not the same yet he, he had to have a subpoena issued he was you know had many chances to return and then he said he did return and then lied hadn't returned them all search warrant issued Here's more documents still, like, yeah, more evasive kind of intent, you know, whereas the other two proactively reaching out and say, hey, whoops, you know, and then, and then fully, fully like opening up, being very proactive. That's, that's the opposite. That's not what Trump did at all. It's weird that Fox News tries to contort it into, and even the Republican operatives, to somehow say that, like, the Biden thing was worse, it's like, what are you, who are you getting, like, we're, we're more sensitive to document things now, because of the Trump thing, we're more aware of it now, journalists are really, and it's just, it's more of a thing, it's a, it's a heightened sense of awareness, the, the, the whoops, documents being inadvertently, uh, while the, you know, taking your work home with you type thing has probably been happening since the beginning of the presidency, I would imagine. Uh, but it was just probably never a story because there was never this kind of thing. Well, the Nixon thing probably, it's a, a certain kind of angle, you know. But then, you know, it, yeah, this kind of trying to define what is classified and declassifying and try to. Yeah, misusing of misinformation. Trump thing that that it's just the whole another level in it, but it's just it's just another thing to the Trump story that it's just when the people that protect him try to just focus on that one story and it's just like what yeah that's just one thing though what do you did you forget the whole backstory prior to becoming a game show host and all that you know and. Every single day, as president, yeah, yeah, he was just tweeting shit. Yeah, so he's just tweeting, playing golf, watching Fox News, doing interviews, and that is it. <laughs> and saying shit where people chant stuff at rallies. So he's continually running for president again, doing interviews on Fox News, golfing, tweeting, and then eating junk food. Now, that's literally how he spends his life. And each day is just to get through each day. Yeah. What laws is he supporting? They're going to help benefit their average working class. But why would, why, like, what? <laughs> what? Why would he? You're going to get too far. I don't really get what the confusion is with, with people. Like, he really is 
as bad as he is, but it's because he fully embraced a certain ethos. Now, again, he was taught it from his father, a certain very much of a vindictive, cruel kind of way to be purely for self-overindulgence, you know. And he fully embraced it at a very, very young age. And he just never, you know, he was, you know, admittedly rewarded for it. He did get more fame and power, immense fame and power. You know, is he respected around the world? I don't know. No. Will history be kind to one Donald John Trump? No. He's got a... I don't know. You know, he's definitely in the tail end. What he could do... Well, his empire needs to be liquidated. And the vast proceeds... Could be used for some very philanthropic good things. Foundational type things. You know. In the liquidation of his empire, he may... Be able to uh, have some good done in his name. Some even some things that have the Trump name on them that are actually, you know, like a hospital or something, instead of some gaudy, stupid hotel. I know he won't be able to make any money from it or anything, but it won't matter because he'd be dead, he'd be long gone. But you know, I, th I think that's kind of a way of like it, it, it'll be like this cautionary tale, really, history, overindulgence and. Because it, it spread, you know, his his kind of ethos spread to our an entire society. It took it took us over, you know, embrace greed and at all costs do whatever you need to do for your own pursuit. And who who cares how it, embrace violence and yeah, it's it's uh it it really just fanned flames to a certain night. Idea. I mean, he he wasn't alone in his his thinking. You know, there was people that showed up to his rallies for a reason. They liked what he said, and he said stuff that was the encouragement to violence and corruption. That's what he wanted. You know, subtle and sometimes not so subtle racist tropes that he'd lean into. You know, very much a kind of a outcasting of anyone that wasn't really in within his very narrow lane. But his lane's very narrow. You know, it's it's not like he would want to spend too much time socially with the very people that gave him power. Those are working class folk. He's a very wealthy guy from New York. Very extremely wealthy. Born into extreme wealth and privilege. He's living a very exclusive, affluent life, and it's what he's very much accustomed to. And those are the types of people that he only mingles with in any sort of social way, you know, maybe a snapshot or two of a, that he can post on his Facebook or whatever, Twitter, of some supporter, with some awkward smile and the thumbs up, but yeah, his, his parties are fancy parties, Mar-a-Lago, where you gotta have the bucks to get your whatever thousands of dollar membership fee, his private golf clubs, again, Exclusive fancy places for wealthy people born into wealth and privilege. That's his. That's that's it. Those are the only types of people he wants to be. But many of them don't really respect him all that much. But whatever. Some do, I guess. 
There are people that pay the membership fee to be at Mar-a-Lago, a big fancy place in Florida. I don't know. There's plenty of fancy places that aren't run by some schmuck asshole guy, you know, known criminal connections and stuff and currency of violence and just, yeah. There's a lot of better ways to go. Hopefully we start finding them. Hopefully. There's a lot of people in this country. There's a lot of, so many people that are better than Trump. All of us know people personally, you know. But thousands of people in my life that are better humans than Trump. So it'd be cool if more of us can start recognizing that, that we don't have to go so negative. You know, we, we can have more faith in ourselves as a collective, as, as a big massive group of people. You know, we have quite immense power and capability. The immense working class peoples of the United States of America. You know, we can certainly do better than some wealthy schmuck born into wealth and privilege who's never really worked a day in his life. You know, we can do way, way, way better than that. You know, Donald Trump was one of the worst people to become a president. You know, just because you're wealthy and famous, shit, that don't mean shit. That, that, that don't mean that you're worthy of the post, you know. So you have a title or something. So what? You know, we, we got to start having more faith in ourselves and, uh, you know, if in, this, in the things that we profess to, you know, be dear to us, freedom of speech, individual liberty, small government, the right to assemble, freedom of religion, yeah, yes, please, yeah, Let, let's have a society that's that, yeah, so not Trumpism, because that was the opposite, Trumpism was American fascism, building walls, Racial subjugation, violence towards people that are that don't fall in line in some way. That's the opposite. A corrupt government that gators to the interests of the wealthy and the already powerful. That's what fascism is. It's the definition of it. Okay. It doesn't matter what the name of your country is and what symbols, you know, you have. You know, what stuff you have written down. Yeah, the the fascism movement will contort itself and use all kinds of symbols of the country that it's taking over to confuse and distort. It uses propaganda, it manipulates you, it fucks with your mind. Yeah. Yeah. You you have to sacrifice your own individual liberty and rights and give them over to this person that already has all the power. Yeah, you have you have to abide by it. You know? Like Too many went, but fortunately not, you know, not too many, but too many, you know. Not enough to where it was like, was reelected or something, and then doubled down, and really, you know, yikes, that could have got pretty scary. It got scary enough. So I'm hoping over these next few years, uh, more of the citizens of this country start embracing more empathetic, humane-type values, embracing the idea that we are a multi-racially diverse, culturally diverse, linguistically diverse society, and have been for since before all of us 
who are here now were even born, or even our parents or our grandparents or great-grandparents. We've been diverse since the beginning. Huge sections of the country were parts of previous different empires. There was native peoples here that were before, they're here before all the European peoples. So there's been, it's been forever the melting pot. Long, long, huge stretches of time. In the entirety of the, this country's existence. We can be a society that has the right to, for people that get sick to go to a doctor and get healed. That can be a right, and it's not some crazy leftist hippie thing. It's just foundational type stuff. It's still, people can go out and earn their best life, be who they want to be. Yeah. It can still happen, yes. No, the people who own certain things, the value of the things they own might change. Uh-huh. That's part of a capitalist society is that the value of companies may change if they expand too big, you know, or, or whatever. The, the demand for the product or service they sell changes for some reason. If you're of a company, you have to constantly difference your product and offer value. You know, how are you different than your competitors, etc.? You know, we're getting into different things, but it's like there's always this this weird concern that if we tax appropriately, you know, big big massive revenue streams that are going into certain sectors, certain specific peoples, you know, let's really let's just kind of just tighten up certain loopholes and stuff like that. There'll be this weird like, well, that's socialism. It's like, well, no, it isn't. What do you, no, that's where everyone makes the same amount of money and everyone, every single thing is publicly funded. So no, that would be stupid. You're, you're right to think that socialism is stupid. Marginal wealth and estate taxes are not socialism. So, no. Uh, so it's, it's more like understanding that investments in the foundational type stuff creates a more vigorous, dynamic economy. You know, because people can truly start creating unique you know, specialty-type businesses. You can get broader range of product and service, you know, that isn't just limited to what the corporate sector provides, you know, and the kind of waste created from the corporate sector. <clears throat> I think, uh, I don't know. There's, there's, there's obviously better ways to do it. Uh, we've just become accustomed to, no, this is the only way. Uh, you know, a tiny percentage of the populace must receive massive portions of the benefit of all of ours, all of us working and, and busily, you know, being productive day in, day out. A tiny percentage of the people needs to get huge revenue from that, and that's the way it must be. And then if we want to go to a doctor, we have to pay out of pocket to go. It's the only way to do it. If we want to get more education, we got to pay out of pocket. And in return, a tiny, tiny percentage of the population can get millions and millions of dollars. Their estates can go up by billions of dollars over short stretches of time as long as we don't have health care as a right for the masses.
Yeah. Because that is the trade-off. Yeah, it... People will say it's oversimplified, but no, that's that's why it's annoying and embarrassing. Because it is kind of simple. Yeah, there's huge funnels of money going to very tiny sectors of the economy. Certain small groups of people benefiting immensely from from the aggregate economy, really. You know, all of us working. Kind of sort of tight parameters on certain things, making certain... Basically making the vast majority of the working class people like less free, like making certain things more difficult. In return, a tiny, tiny group gets exponentially more money. Yeah. And, and many of us have gone along with that, and we vote for it. The group that, you know, gets voted in proudly celebrates what they're accomplishment is they're going to cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations it's signed into law they celebrate it it's covered on the news and that's exactly what happens the wealthy get wealthier corporations get wealthier and bigger and basic rights of the people doing all the work are still not basic rights you still don't have the right to go to a doctor if you're sick if you want to get more education, you got to shell out money for it. But Jeff Bezos is worth b more billions now. The billionaires have more billions, with a B. Thousands of millions. Meanwhile, the city I'm living in, Spokane, Washington, has this big, massive, huge highway project that's been going on for years big sign and, and several phases one phase is already complete I think it said it was a double digit double digit million double digit million Th you know, <laughs> thousands of hours of work labor hours I don't know however many people are involved in that project getting paid to, and that's so that's a huge portion of the cost it's just the cost to pay people to do it that's part of the you know, the deal the government does with, you know, the contractors that take that project. $49 million. Jeff Bezos' wealth increased by a few billions of dollars. One guy, one person, one human. Just their net worth increased by billions, with a B, thousands of millions. Just in net worth. He got to fly in a rocket ship to space... I live in a metropolis, in a, in a, you know, in a vibrant state. It's a quote-unquote blue state. D huge diverse economy and all that. This big massive project with like, you know, there's all kinds of people complaining about taxes. Oh, there's so much money, blah, blah, blah. 49 million. And it's this huge, big, massive endeavor. I think, I think that phase one was 49 million. Total cost or something, all three phases connects like the north to the south portion of Spokane. So I don't think it's like a couple hundred million or something. That's it. You know, thousands of people that directly involved in the in the constructing of the project, work hours and all that. How it affects the city, I mean, the diversification of the city. I mean, the city's probably going to grow quite a bit once that highway is completed and stuff. It's just that it makes... 
connecting from certain downtown sections all the way up to the way up north or maybe fancier sections or whatever the fuck, you know, it just connects the city's various edges just quicker, you know, it's kind of a pretty standard thing among most metropolis areas, you have some kind of like, like direct corridor thing, freeway bypass thing to get from A to B, opposite ends of the city a little quicker, you know, even if it's a roundabout, like the 215 and I think it is in Vegas, or the Horseshoe, I think it was called. It's a nice little loop that just kind of goes all the way around the perimeter of the city. But all that big, massive, all kinds of business, economic activity, and an interconnected city, and all that, a double-digit million, just for, for just for the first phase, you know, a couple, maybe a couple hundred million. Same with hospitals and schools. You're talking about, you know, hospitals, big metropolis area, just one of the hospitals, maybe its operating budget is a few million a year. Jeff Bezos, wealthy asshole guy whose net worth increased by billions of dollars. One person. Got the flying a rocket ship to space. He's the main benefactor from the Amazon Corporation, big, massive, dehumanizing corporation that makes, you know, the acquiring of random shit really easy you just click a few buttons and then it appears at your fucking door a few days later yeah he, he gets to fly in a rocket ship to space his net worth gets increased by billions of dollars but no we don't get to go to a doctor for free yes that is the trade-off we certainly could siphon that a little bit easier where yeah guys like jeff bezos do just fine and dandy you know Maybe their net worth doesn't increase by several billion dollars when a million of us die from an airborne illness. Maybe the system isn't that way. So maybe like his net worth actually does drop, you know, while our entire society is dying. He doesn't gain more money and power. How specifically that works out... I, I, I'm not really sure specific what mechanics, but marginal estate and wealth taxes are certainly kind of the obvious kind of stuff. But then just like how we allow an individual human to have just that much actual legitimate power is just kind of insane. But what are you going to do? You know, um, we have to find a way to kind of jostle loose the power a little bit. You know, we can still have a, you know, a nice um, distribution of income where, yeah, there's, there's people that do very, very well, you know, the, the real bright lights in this country that really want to shine in a certain way and whatever, you know, make lots of money, if that's your thing, you know, plenty of money to be made. But yeah, we're over a certain point. That's kind of clear and obvious. That's a holy shit. That's a lot of money, you know. Whatever that specific number is, you know, ten million is what's being proposed, earned in a year. I think over that, it's gonna be taxed pretty high percentage. So if that's your thing. I want to have a net income of fifty million. It's called algebra, you know. You know something. Would be uh, your first ten million would be you'd pay six. You'd would, net income would be about six point. Six million, six point four million. You pay about thirty something percent tax. Everything over that seventy seventy percent tax. 
So 0.70x would equal, you know, basically like uh, 43 million. So you just got to do some math there. What would your gross earnings need to be in order for your net income to be 50 million? There is no limit to what you can earn, even if you have to pay a marginal tax. So if that is your primary objective in life, is to have a certain stupendous amount of net income after tax. Um, learn some basic algebra, and then that's there you go. Because you can just calculate what your marginal tax will be, and then what your net, in, you know, and so that's what you'd have to earn. How people spend their whole life concerning about such things is kind of weird, you know, just worrying about what their net worth is, in a, especially once it's over a certain amount and you have achieved a certain lifestyle. I suppose you can take it for granted easily if you're just born into a certain thing and it's just what you become accustomed to. It's just what you think life is, you know. It's private everything, you know. You don't really, you don't use anything that's public. Well, ever so you just have no regard for it because you everything you use is just paid for you out of you know out of pocket or some trust fund such as the case with the trump family you know you know they don't they don't see or understand any sort of use for public because they aren't the public they're they're, they're fully privately owned you know Let's be more publicly owned, you know, this society and economy ours. Let's make sure more of our economy is publicly owned, that we own the economy. We, the people doing all the work, let's make sure we have more ownership of the economy. Meaning, the right to get healed when we need healed, the right to get educated when we want more education. Yeah, it, the value of those things, well, they're priceless, obviously, that's why... The people that own the rights to those things charge a shit ton of money. You know, because they're priceless. The value of an education. The value of good health. Priceless. So again, the people that have controlled the rights have decided to charge an immense amount of money. So, we need to change that. And just make those sort of basic rights those priceless rights, you know, available to us, you know. The other things that are, you know, more commodity-based and whatever and how you want to earn your money, that's that's up to you. You know, what, what you want to do with your good health and education, that's up to you, how you want to live your life. You want to create a certain specific company or something. Yeah, there's certainly a wider breadth of opportunity for fertile ground for just different, unique specification, you know, communities can start claiming some identity back, you know, I think it certainly opens up, like, tourism within the country and stuff, too, just like, a lot of, especially in the mid-sized town, I'm just seeing a lot of, just like, a losing of, there's a certain homogenating, whatever, nature of the corporate empire. Where every single fucking town, especially of a certain size, has the exact same collection of businesses. With a few little strip mall sections built with the same exact design of a few, like, local places. But they have, like, the same exact lettering almost, you know. It's like, 
There's then there's the ones that kind of are made to look like they're kind of you know local lists, but yeah, it's some big. That's the one that does those kind of things all over. It's like it's copying the same design from the other place. It's like, does everything have to be so cookie cutter? It's a big, massive, unique country, you know? We're a big, massive, unique, diverse group of people. Why does every city have to look exactly the same? You know, why do we have to have the exact same businesses in every single fucking town? Does every single fucking town need a fucking Walmart? You know, and... Do we really need like four or five in one city? You know, it's like if there is ten, that seems like plenty. Like ten Walmarts. That seems good. <laughs> that seems more than enough really. But how many are there? I don't know, like a few thousand. Every town still need a McDonald's. Yeah. God, it's amazing. There's so many people that wear McDonald's is still a steady part of their life. I can't do it anymore. Like literally. I, I can no longer digest McDonald's food. I just can't do it anymore. Just, and, and I'm okay with it. I understand it's like some kind of American tradition and stuff. And I grew up in on it as a kid. And people would be like, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's like three or four times, the last few times over the last many years where I'd eat it and would feel sick later. It's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> it's like, it's just a big, massive corporation that makes shitty food that's cheap. That you, you can get quickly. Like, wh- why, why am I paying for this? And then, because then it feels shittier after. You know, it's this nasty food. I don't, I don't. What are we doing? Like, there's places that make damn good cheeseburgers, in just about, but they get run out of town because they can't make them as cheap as McDonald's. And but then you buy into the marketing though, you and the promotion of it. Might even buy into the Ron McDonald house. Yeah. And the CEO makes what? From McDonald's? How much the value of a share of McDonald's? The increased shareholder value. What are they paying dividends? Yeah, I mean, that's what they're about. So promoting and having a certain amount of money go to Ron McDonald's gives you a favorable opinion of McDonald's to the point that you want to spend your money there. To help support that corporation, increase its profit, increase shareholder value. Well, yeah, then they'll have that kind of thing going, but just enough, just enough of a percentage of revenues to, you know, appease people and have a favorable impression of the corporation. Its main purpose is to increase shareholder value and accrue a profit, not to make the world a better place or to provide good quality food to eat. It's not really what it is. You know, I've worked at the place. No. <laughs> now they have the automated ones. The first one has appeared. There's some test ones, so there'll be more often. Where, yeah, you go to a McDonald's and it's all just purely automated. Push a few buttons, and then a few moments later, the thing you ordered appears. No human interaction needed. It's just an assembly line anyway. It's everything is automated pretty much already. Pure timers and to, you know, beeps go off. Press the, the things, patties are pressed down, and when they're done, it's just the thing pops up. Not a whole lot of real thinking required, necessarily, but they designed it specifically for that. It's all extremely automated and controlled. 
you know, kind of so you know what you're getting. I know what I get when I order that food. It's going to be nasty food that's not really going to help. It's not good energy. It's kind of shitty, kind of yuck, gunk energy. That That is calories and protein, but there's, there's more efficient ways to get it. And uh, I, I don't know, just about every other, every single one-off local cheeseburger place I've ever, ever eaten at has always been better than McDonald's. It's like, you know. Just wish there was more of a thing where every local town had its own proper little collection of decent locally owned restaurants, you know. No need for the Applebee's and McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, all that, you know. Like, they're not that good, you know. Sometimes driving some of them, I almost crave, like, the Wendy's, because that's, like, one I more prefer of the ones. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's all right. It's cheap. It kind of... It's a quick fix, but it's like, meh. Afterwards, it's just kind of like, nah. I don't. I'd rather just yeah, have a good burger. You know, like, that's owned by a local place. They don't need to support this big, massive entity. There's other ways for the economy to be. It starts with just how you spend your money. So, I don't know. Big, long, random. Random uh, rambling podcast today. Transition season soon, spring and all that. So, I'm trying to the optimistic realist, hoping for good positive change coming soon, dissipating the Trumpism thing, more embracing of obvious humane values, you know. And it's, we're still working hard and having fun, you know. Hopefully more of us can get to that, you know, taking care of the place that we're living on, this tiny, unique, remote planet in the middle of a big, vast universe. We have no other place to live. It'd be cool if we could get along better. Voting for sensible things. Make sure you're registered to vote. Stay safe out there. God bless This is Gary, thinking out loud.